The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we take a look at this week's happenings in the market trade, Arlen Suderman's joining us. I know it's not Wednesday and it's going to throw your weekend off, but Arlen is joining us today from FC Stone. Arlen, I tell you, five days, we're now post-WASD, but still hearing a lot of trickle reaction to that Monday report. Oh, absolutely. That totally changed the dynamics of these marketplaces. Now, I should say, and we've, we've been studying momentum um, indicators now for quite some time. The reason we've been doing that is because the algo traders, the computers, those who use computers to simply trade, and that's become the majority of the trade volume that happens now, not just in the grain and oil seats, but even more so in the equities, etc. We want to know and understand what their signals are so we can put a little bit more common sense. Or I don't know if it's common sense, but anyway, a greater understanding of why the markets are doing what they're doing so we know better how to make them work for us. And our momentum indicators we follow and that we have kind of developed to follow these markets started to show a turn to the downside already by really middle of last week. And so we were watching for these signs of a, a break in the market. And then USDA came in and gave them all the fodder they wanted to do what they wanted to do uh, to really short this market. And, and if we look at the bigger picture here, this is all kind of tied together. Um, the funds have been bearish the commodity sector ever since economic idea or, or concept, macroeconomic idea or concept that trade wars slow global growth and if you have slowing global economic growth then you have less demand for commodities and since this is particularly between the United States and China that means US commodities should be demand for US commodities would be hurt even more so the default mode has been to short or to sell the commodity sector periodically when any individual commodity or group of commodities gets a story for crude oil like when iran is is creating tensions in the middle east then crude oil will rally until those headlines pass great corn and soybeans rallied when the headlines were going on a daily basis about the persistent wetness this spring created all these planting problems and so they would rally during that time but as soon as those headlines are passed, the default is to sell again. Now you throw into this the fact that we had hit the top of that of a descending channel on the charts, and so momentum was starting to turn, saying go lower. They just needed a fundamental excuse. USDA provided that and sent prices lower. We hit the bottom of that channel by the end of the week. It was a rather fast uh, fast drop. And now we're looking, we're starting to see some very weak signals like this momentum's turning back up again, right in time for the pro-farmer crop turn next week. Now, the USDA report was your original question that you asked <laughs> me about, and that essentially told the trade the unprecedented weather problems that we had this spring didn't matter for corn. We still got 90 million acres of corn and the yield fine, and it's as if it never happened. We're going to have ample supplies of corn. So the funds who never really went 
long this market or built the ownership. They simply covered their shorts. They come back in to put those short positions back on. On the soybeans, we needed to lose 10 to 12 million acres of soybeans to try to fix the soybean balance sheet. And lo and behold, USDA said we did that with some help from the weather. Now we look at yields, and suddenly we find that soybeans are at risk if we get a abnormally low yield this year of actually running tight to supply after we've had this huge surplus. Corn, we're not out of the woods yet either. It wouldn't take much of a drop in yield to start requiring rationing once again. 90 million acres means less rationing, but still some rationing could be possible. So it's totally changed the dynamics of this market. And now we look to, okay, what are the sizes of these crops? The Pro Farmer Crop Tour won't tell us. The next crop report probably won't tell us. We probably won't know until October or later. And In fact, I'm going to argue that there's reasons we won't have confidence in what the size of these crops are until January. But it is my sense as a former agronomist that these crops are probably a fair amount smaller than what the market's currently anticipating. So could, though, Arlen, this Pro Farmer Crop Tour give us a little bit of insight as to where we're at development-wise? I mean, there's nothing really to compare it to for last year because we're two, three weeks behind. Yeah, you're exactly right. There will be some benefit there. Uh, They're just not going to be able to answer all the questions, and that's what I mean by they're not going to tell the size of the crop. The crops simply aren't mature enough for us really to know. But traders will be paying attention, particularly with some of these momentum indicators looking like they want to turn back up to the top of the channel. They'll be listening. What's what's the plant populations? What's it look like inside the fields? We've heard a lot about how it looks good from the road but not in the field, very similar to what we saw in 1993. Um, and uh, they'll be looking for confirmation of that. What I, what I expect to happen is I think they'll get a lot of mixed messages on corn, even though I do think overall the corn crop's going to end up smaller. I'm not sure that'll be all that apparent, totally apparent next week. I think in the east they'll have more um, short crop stories than in the west. Um, but I think the real focus is going to shift to soybeans and how the nodes there to make the pods, is that the pods simply aren't there this year, and we might be looking at a considerably smaller soybean crop than what we thought a few weeks ago. And that may shift more of the focus towards soybeans and away from corn. Well, stick around. We do have a lot more to talk about. I want to pick Arlen's brain on a few other grain aspects before we jump into the very craziness of this livestock market of this past week. We are listening to the Friday edition of the Fontenelle. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network as Arlen Suderman is joining us for part two as well. So curious, I'm, I was amongst a bunch of dairy producers uh, and their comment, and I heard a little rumblings, was is there the possibility of a recession? Is it just ample talk, Arlen? Is there some reasoning behind it? We continue to see the trade war tit for tat with China, waiting for something to happen with Japan. We know that South America is taking advantage of what's been going on. So it just seems like there's so many factors being worked in. But are we getting ourselves worked up for nothing? <laughs> well, outside the United States, there are some real risks. Germany is on the cusp of a recession. With that, the rest of Europe, uh, certainly Japan is struggling. China is 
struggling. Uh, there's a lot of outside United States. United States uh, economic data is solid. There are some weak areas like the housing sector, although today's data showed some upticks there. Um, cars, automobiles, that sector has also been struggling somewhat. But otherwise, the economy is moving along on solid footing. However, there's been a lot of headlines about recession, partially because of the inversion of the yield curve, where the two-year yield is higher than the 10-year. At least it was one day this week. And how every recession we've had, that has happened. But that indicator has accurately predicted seven out of the last four recessions. In other words, it, it doesn't always mean you get a recession. And frankly, the yield curve is inverted because we have so much foreign money coming into the United States to buy our securities that even though our yields are low, a fourth of the world's debt is in negative interest rates right now. And so that means that investors can't make money investing in negative interest rates. Um, so they're rushing to the United States. I would be surprised if our yield curve were not inverted in that situation. So the very headlines can get the consumer afraid causing the consumer to pull back in spending. We're a consumer-driven economy, and it can become self-fulfilling prophecy if the headlines go long enough. Can that change our money flow? It can, and what it does is particularly remain bearish for the commodities. For today, there was optimism that the central banks are going to create more stimulus, not only United States, but Europe and China and elsewhere, kind of giving a boost to the economies, and therefore more optimism and therefore the funds were buying the commodities and buying the equities. So it does have a big impact on money flow just based on what their opinion or the sentiment is, their view of economic growth is. Jump over to the livestock side. The cattle market had their struggles this week. Can we leave it and start fresh anew on Monday or are we going to continue to see this trend? Well, I, I think we're, well, we're obviously trying to find a bottom here. Uh, we lost the Holcomb plant at 6% of our national slaughter capacity. And uh, so there's all kinds of panic about what we're going to do with these cattle. And so the board was really tumbling. Uh, we need to have a couple weeks of cash trade to try to uh, try to reestablish some sense of value in this market. We're estimating right now that total slaughter this week uh, across the U.S. will only be down about 10,000 head. That's rather small. And so the packer margins are getting close to $350 per head. That provides a tremendous amount of incentive for packers to move cattle as far as they need to. We're even hearing of some cattle going from the Central Plains all the way to California to be slaughtered to get those cattle slaughtered and, and processed. And so um, there is some optimism here that maybe the board has overdone it. And once we get a couple weeks of cash trade to establish that, that we'll start to even things out once again and start to stabilize these markets. African swine fever saw more talk of it spreading once again. What are your thoughts? What are you hearing out there? All year long, China says we got it under control and we're restocking, and they keep updating their numbers in, getting closer to us. Uh, as I said, we're at 45 hog feeding being down 45% or 320 million head on an annualized basis. China has now brought their number up to about 32%, so they continue to go up. 
uh, this week, our, our team there telling us about some of the larger farms there in northeast China that had uh, lost their hogs. They'd sterilized their operations. They restocked because obviously there's a big price incentive if you can be someone who can survive and produce hogs. There's a lot of profits to be made with hog prices high right now there and then lost all their herds. Three farms that happened. So it's a tremendously difficult disease to get past. The problem continues to spread, and uh, we still believe it's on track to really help lift our entire meat complex in 2020. But we still think it'll probably start to lift things, particularly for pork first, in the fourth quarter of this year. Lots of things to think about, lots of craziness as we slowly inch towards uh, harvest time. What is the best way for folks to get a hold of you and to follow you on social media, Arlen? intlfcstone.com or over on Twitter, twitter.com slash Arlen, A-R-L-A-N, F is in Frank, F is in Frank, 101. Definitely follow him. Keep you up to date on all the insights of the trade throughout the day. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.